Welcome to the Church Safety and Security Broadcast with the Church Safety Guys. Brought to you by TwoWayRadioCenter.com, a Motorola value-added reseller. The Church Safety Guys is a nonprofit organization dedicated to equipping the vigilant, those men and women who stand watch, keeping our houses of worship and places of faith safe. We believe church safety and security must be a ministry first and have engaged servant leaders who continually strive for excellence and teams of motivated volunteers that are always training. Join us for the next hour as the Church Safety Guys unpack safety, security, leadership, and ministry operations with your hosts, Dr. James McGarvey and Mike Scully. This broadcast is also available on YouTube, your favorite podcast platforms, churchsafetyguys.com, and on the original Church Security app. Download it today. Feel free to like, subscribe, and share with your ministry. Well, hello, and welcome to the Church Safety and Security Broadcast with the Church Safety Guys. I am James, and I will be uh, doing the broadcast on this Sunday evening and um, hosting it by myself, which is fine. Um, Mike is actually uh, off on vacation with his family uh, for the evening, and so um, a much on a much needed, much deserved vacation. So. Uh, it'll just be me and our guest tonight hanging out with you all. So uh, if you haven't joined us in a while, or maybe this is your first time in listening, thanks. Welcome. Um, if you're picking us up later on YouTube or one of the podcast platforms, please feel free to click like and subscribe. And then uh, we can actually alert you and send you information when uh, we have new content which typically we put it out or we try and put stuff out every Sunday uh, evening, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And uh, that that helps us be consistent. And uh, other than I think typically we, we try and take a few weeks off at the end of the year uh, between Thanksgiving and the new year. Um, I think we're we're pretty consistently every Sunday unless there's a, a holiday or something going on. And then we usually do rebroadcasts or we'll play back um, popular episodes that folks have requested us to, to replay. So, um, but as always, uh, we are honored and we'd love to help you in your ministry and your church. Uh, so if you need anything, please feel free to reach out to us through our website, which is churchsafetyguys.com, or you can uh, reach out to us through the church security app uh, and down you can download that on Google and also uh, iOS platforms. That's a free app uh, that has an enormous amount of, of church safety and security content that's available uh, absolutely free. Thanks to our sponsors and, and the folks that support our ministry. And um, also there's a few, um, there's a few great things about the app. I'll just mention that real quick. Uh, if you're not familiar with that, um, we have the um, quite a few different policy examples and suggestions in there. And then there's bits and pieces from our resources, from our books, 
um, devotional segments where you can download that and, and go over that with your team uh, on Sunday if you need a devotional. Um, and uh, just a lot of great content uh, for, for any uh, team, whether you've decided to start one or whether your team's been running for a while. Uh, we're happy to offer that. So when you download it, um, you can bring that. Uh, actually, if you you um, if you go to our YouTube channel, there's actually a video that kind of walks you through all of that. But if you download it and then go in and register, registering is free as well. And that kind of puts you in a member section that uh, that offers a lot of extra uh, content that's that's valuable and uh, will be beneficial to you and your team. So. Um, other than that, I think we have, um, I'm trying to think through if there's something we haven't mentioned recently. Um, I think last week we mentioned we have the new train book out with the ministry life cycle. And, uh, currently I am, uh, actually working on an, another new book, um, that is going to be kind of mirroring, um, some of the ministry life cycle, but it's, it's going to be about, uh, leading ministry teams and and not specifically for church safety and security teams, but um, they can definitely find application with it. And if you're leading a team, you're not you're not going to want to miss it because it's got some great stuff. Um, I had the opportunity to connect with uh, a few different uh, folks uh, putting it together and pastors and whatnot. And um, I think it's going to be a great another great resource. Um, and hopefully I'm thinking that that will be probably be out around, uh, Thanksgiving. So, um, you're welcome to look for that. And, uh, hopefully that'll be a blessing to, to you and your team as well. Um, but beyond that, um, we're still working on a few things. If you're listening, uh, to this broadcast and you're in Indiana or, uh, Ohio. Uh, one of our great friends is the Ohio uh, Crime Prevention Association, and we've been doing some great things with them uh, as far as house of worship conferences, one day conferences, and that sort of thing. So if you're um, in those two states, and we're soon, hopefully soon looking to expand up into Michigan and also uh, Pennsylvania. But um, if you're at the time being, if you're with in Ohio or, or Indiana, and you'd like us to come out and, um, do a one day presentation, uh, please feel free to reach out and we can, we can try and see if we can make that happen. But, uh, I think right now we're looking at, uh, Indianapolis and, and Indiana and trying to put something, put something together for the next, um, I think October, we're looking for a church to, to host something out there. So, um, those of you that have already reached out to us, thanks. Thank you very much for doing that. And, um, it's always, it's always helpful, uh, to have, uh, connections with churches and to be able to connect with people. So, um, other than that, I, I want to jump in and I want to give us enough time, certainly enough time for the topic on this broadcast. Um, but I will say that, uh, what we're talking about on this broadcast is pre-attack indicators and being prepared. And the reason that we're, we're on this topic or we picked this topic is because you all asked for it. So um, typically when uh, 
Mike and I talk about the scheduling and what we want to chat about for the season. And um, we usually have probably 13 or 14 episodes in, in our podcast season. Um, and we go one season to another, but usually when we plan it, we kind of look as a whole uh, at, you know, leadership, medical, tactical, and, and we try and touch base on uh, at least every topic once through that season. And um, then, you know, we highlight it with different episodes like uh, Jared um, has the real stories of church safety and security episode where he has special guests on, or he talks about different things that he's um, he's had the opportunity to, to uh, handle and deal with. So, uh, but honestly, 100%, if you're listening, um, we get our ideas and our content from your requests and from you guys. So whether, you know, you're listening today or another time, if there's a particular topic that you would like us to talk about, or maybe there's a topic related to church, um, or house of worship safety that nobody's talking about, um, please feel free to reach out to us and you can do that through our social media connections or, or a website and just say, Hey, I'd like you guys to cover, you know, medical response, or, uh, maybe it's campus safety or property safety or whatever that is. And, um, oftentimes we'll, we'll cover it ourselves or, you know, we can connect, uh, try and connect with someone and, and bring them in, um, for that discussion as well. So again, all of that is, is based on you guys and our ministry is, is trying to support you and what you need. So please feel free to reach out to us if we can, um, if we can help you at all with what you have going on. I know sometimes it's, it's kind of crazy and you get kind of get to a point where, um, you know, if you're serving with, especially with church safety and security, if you're serving in that ministry within your church, sometimes it gets a little crazy with how busy, um, you know, every Sunday it seems, but we, uh, we are definitely appreciative of you all supporting our ministry and hanging out with us. And, you know, it certainly couldn't happen without your support of, you know, from purchasing our resources to, um, you know, showing up for conferences and, and uh, working with, with you guys. So that's really, you know, the best part of, of this with, with Mike and I is that we get the opportunity to actually, you know, go visit other churches and, and talk to folks and, and meet new friends. And it's always a great thing. So, um, so I'm going to go ahead and bring uh, my guest in for this broadcast and um, I, I know he will compliment, uh, our discussion on pre-attack, uh, indicators and behaviors. So, uh, my guest on this broadcast is going to be Marco, uh, Galbraith with T4 tactics. So let me bring him, whoop, let me bring him in here. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Marco, thanks so much hey. again for, for joining me. And yeah, thanks uh, for having me on. Appreciate it. I definitely, definitely appreciate you making your your schedule available. Sometimes it's, it's kind of crazy. You know, you're, you're, it's like plates in the air. You're trying to juggle all of this stuff and get everybody's schedule yeah. to line up. And 
yeah. A lot of times at the last minute, stuff will will shift and change. But right. we've got you here now. So <laughs> yeah, I just I, I'm in Lynchburg, Virginia. That's where I live, and I was in uh, um, Baltimore, Maryland this morning at a church doing church training. So I just made nice. it back. Just in the nick of time. No That's traffic awesome. issues on the way back. And here I am. Praise the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> That's good stuff. So yeah. uh, for those for those that don't know you, uh, if you could just go through a, a quick bio and how did you get into this with T4 Tactics and, and Church Safety? Okay. So uh, born and raised in Daytona Beach, Florida. I went to a private Christian school, grew up Christian my whole life, uh, worked for the for the police department down there in the Daytona mm-hmm. Beach area. And uh, uh, I had the opportunity, I had, a, I had a really blessed career. I, whatever I, I wanted to get into, I did. It was, it was just everything fell into place for me. So I got to be the, uh, the supervisor of the special investigations unit, which was the major case unit. Uh, we, I was the commander of the hostage negotiation team. I was on the SWAT team for the majority of my career. Uh, majority of my career, I was in that that uh, major case unit, and we worked homicide investigations, over undercover drugs, uh, and and so that's where I learned a lot about human behavior. And for 17 years of my police career, I was an adjunct instructor at the state college, which was also the police academy. So I was teaching uh, tactical situations. Uh, constantly trying to learn and teach at the same time. And, uh, and that's where I gained a lot of the knowledge. Uh, but I, I have a fascination with human behavior. Uh, that's why sure. I started being a hostage negotiator. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight is human behavior. What makes people violent and what pre-attack indicators do they put out? Humans will put out pre-attack indicators. As other humans, we need to pick up on that. They don't know they're putting them out, but there's clues sure. and signals that the bad guy is going to put out that, that they don't know they're putting out. We got to be able to, to match that, to pick up on that. Absolutely. Uh, so, so I retired in 2007, my wife and I moved to Lynchburg, Virginia, uh, mm-hmm. and I immediately started T4 tactics. We do concealed carry permit training. Uh, but the, the, what I enjoy doing my passion is I travel the country teaching active shooter response training to all types of facilities. We've done, uh, major mood, major food manufacturers, uh, auto manufacturers, pharmaceutical companies that have mm-hmm. a worldwide footprint, uh, churches, universities, schools, colleges. Uh, it, it's been a blessing and it keeps me busy. I enjoy what I do. I don't like to travel. <laughs> you and I were talking off air. Uh, yeah. I don't like to drive and I, sure. don't, I don't like to sit. So, um, but yeah, I really have a passion for what I do. I, I, I like taking an interest in people. I like letting, sure. you know, getting people to be safe. Not everybody thinks like uh, people do, like law enforcement and military. And sure. so I really enjoy seeing the look on their face when we deliver a product, not based on fear or paranoia, but right. just opening people's mind up to think uh, and to realize that, unfortunately, these attacks are a reality. Attacks on churches are a reality. Sure. Yeah. It's funny. It sounds like you, it sounds like you retired from work to to jump back into working. <laughs> you know, I did. When we first moved to Lynchburg, Virginia, I started delivering saw blades uh, for the huge. Uh, we have a lot of uh, industry up here, and I, the huge uh, sawmill saw blades. And I thought, out of police work, I'm going to get me a non-stressful job. And it wasn't sure. challenging enough because my whole career, I'm way up here with adrenaline. And, sure. and then, and then I also thought, you know, the Lord blessed me with a good career where I learned a lot. Why let that mm-hmm. sit? Let me continue sure. to, to share that knowledge and, and, uh, uh, and help people out, reduce injuries and save lives. That's what it's all about. For sure. I think yeah. honestly, um, and I've, I've done 
I think I've done church safety uh, now for probably officially in one way or the other for probably close to the last 20 years. And when I first started and I I don't do it professionally full-time or anything like that, honestly, I, I have another, um, actually I work for the, the defense department Monday through Friday, but, um, I, when we first started, when I first started in my mind, um, one of the things that fascinated me was behaviors and how people act and react. And it just, it kind of, it, it seemed interesting to me because I've always been a big fan of, um, you know, the behavioral analysis unit with the FBI. I've always been fascinated with, um, the FBI and the study of human behavior. And so, um, for me looking at it, I guess, when I first started in church safety, you know, I would stand on the, the platform stage of the sanctuary and I'd look out into the church and I'd be like, you know what? I almost feel kind of like a secret service agent or an right. FBI agent because I'm, you know, looking at people's faces, looking at their hands. But I started, the more I started doing that and thinking about it, the more I thought, you know, some people might think I'm kind of silly, but at the same time, Um, I really learned a lot from just trying to gleam from different, you know, different artists, different folks out there like yourself, where it was like, wait a second, you know, this, maybe this isn't as crazy and off the wall as I thought. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Because, you know, over the years we've seen, certainly we've seen attacks on churches and houses of worship increase. And so uh, now we actually, you know, we do, we do a similar um, a set of training and consulting with, with different churches to try and help them get teams up and running and, and kind of go that route. But, um, we talked to a lot of, a lot of churches during the week that, you know, that ask us that like, well, how do you train on this? What do you look for? What are just some simple, you know, basic practices to, to do that. So that's kind of how I got involved in it. Um, I had a, had a chance a few years ago. Um, there was a a conference up in Wisconsin and, uh, one of the guest speakers that they had was an FBI special agent from, um, Chicago. And he was part of the, the BAU and he came in and he lectured for probably four or five hours. And I mean, I just sat there and I, I, you know, um, just kind of ate it up and there's a lot to take in with that. It's fascinating. I love that stuff. It really is. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, but yeah, so I just sat there and as, as much as he talked and as much as he, he would, um, he would share. And of course, some of the stuff I guess that he shared, he was working on, you know, uh, current cases. So he was like, you know, these are my notes. I can't let you copy them or, or take anything from that. But at the same time, um, I just, I went up to him after and I got a chance to kind of talk to him and pick his brain a little bit. And, uh, it was, it was good. Yeah. Yeah. That you can get a lot of information. I do that when I go to seminars and there's a special speaker up there, I'll wait for everybody to, to get the fanfare and then you catch them later. And Hey, you want to go to coffee? Yeah. A lot of times they will. Or look, <laughs> and then, then you find out they're really good information. That's, that's kind of the basis of when I started T4 tactics, I took some train the trainer classes for active shooter training. Um, 
And I wasn't, I, I wasn't really on board with that. So I decided to start going out whenever there's an attack, I'll go out to the location and actually mm -hmm. meet with victims, survivors, witnesses, sure. law enforcement, take them to coffee, breakfast, lunch, dinner. Um, and so I've been to 16 of the worst attacks we've had and uh, 97 wow. people interviewed. And it's, it's always the same thing. We never thought that person would do that. I never thought it would happen here. I hear that all the time and uh, sure. consistently. And then what a calm look um, the shooter or shooters had on their face. It's just amazing. So, mm -hmm. so that's, that's my basis is I get all my information straight from, from primary source, evidence-based um, sure. people that people that were there. And it's just amazing. Yeah. And a lot of times the part of the healing is talking about the incident. Some people don't want to, yeah. I don't want to talk about it, but some people, yeah, I'll tell you everything. And you can see the healing where they're talking about it and they're getting it off their, their chest. Uh, yeah. Same with law enforcement. Law enforcement will talk about it. It's kind of, it's kind of interesting because I, I agree with you. I, I do think it is healing, but at the same time, it's almost like, I think sometimes when you're, when you're going over, even, going over stories of stuff that happened at churches. Mm -hmm. Like we've had a few humdingers of situations that happened at my church where you just kind of scratch your head and you're like, Oh my goodness, this, you know, right. this happened. I wouldn't have, right. wouldn't have believed that. But at the same time, being able to, to talk with someone about it, um, it definitely, it gives you a good opportunity to kind of rehearse in your mind. Did I do everything that uh -huh. I'm supposed to, <laughs> right? you know, right. and how, how am I, you know, I, I think we have to kind of justify in our minds, we have to, you know, play through, okay, could I have done something different? Right. And I, th I don't know. And I think it's important to debrief, you know, if something yeah. goes, if something goes sideways in a church, maybe it's not violent. Maybe it's just a verbal confrontation. I think it's, it's, it's great for the, the safety or security team, whatever you call it to do a debrief and say, sure. you know, we're not here to point fingers. We're not here to hurt feelings, but what could we have done better? What mm -hmm. went wrong? What went right? Because you don't want to make that mistake again. And it goes worse than what it did. Um, yeah, For sure. I think that's, I think that's important. Uh, For sure. You know, just get, be, we're not pointing fingers at people, but we're just talking, let's just do a debrief. We did it all the time at the police department. We'd, we'd have a critical incident. We all meet yep. at shift change and let's talk about it, get it out and let's fix any problems. Yeah. Yeah. I, I actually, I grew up in, um, in new England and before quite a bit before I moved to Columbus, um, I worked, uh, with the fire department, fire EMS, mm -hmm. and, you know, we were out in a small community and of course that was, that was a long time before we had PTSD as a term, right? <laughs> uh, right, right. Because right. everybody was like, okay, you know what? just, you know, pull up your bootstraps, go do the next day. Right. Exactly. And so, but what was it, what was always interesting to me was we would do the same thing. We would sit there um, when something big happened in the community that really impacted um, like we had, I think we had one time uh, and certainly I'll never forget it, but we had one, one situation where a young man decided to uh, commit suicide and he, um, he ended up uh, shooting himself and I was actually, I was one of the first people there with the ambulance, um, as an EMT. And, uh, we were actually, we were still waiting for the scene to be secured 
by law enforcement because it was, you know, there was a firearm involved and we didn't really know Mm -hmm. what was going on. And, and, uh, I think the closest officer that they had that was responding was about 20 miles away. And it was actually a state trooper that, you know, was responding. And, uh, that's a long time. It is it when is. the scene when the scene is hot, even yeah. a mile away. When you got a when sure. you got backup or law enforcement a mile away, that's a long time. Things can happen. Well, this was a you know this was a community where everything shuts down after five. So the closest yeah. you know the closest officer was was thirty minutes away by normal right. drive, and um, they you know they ended up making it. We ended up calling uh, life flight for the young man, and. Yeah. Uh, Unfortunately, he didn't make it. But after that, um, one of the department mandates was, you know, we brought counselors in from the hospital. And that was unusual back in the day because we got called in, um, all of us that were on the scene and that that assisted with that. And we thought we had we had done something wrong. And we're like, okay, are we all going to get fired? What happened? And the, the chief was like, no, I, I think you guys did a fantastic job. I wouldn't have changed anything. Your response was, you know, on point the best anybody could have, but they said, you know, we just want you guys to have to each take the time to talk through this situation with the counselors because, you know, of how therapeutic it is to kind of chat and, you know, kind of kind of get that off your chest so it's important it's very important to talk about it if it, whenever you're ready to talk about it it's very important to talk about it yeah if uh, if if we hold it in that's where we start getting depression that could lead to suicide or drug or alcohol abuse so it's yeah. i'm glad they did that for you guys it's it's so important to bring in yeah counselors. some and it I mean, helps some... uh go ahead if, if i was you're, just it, if you're if the counselor you're speaking to especially has a fire department or rescue background, sure. it helps even more. Just like yeah. from the police department side of it, if if you get a counselor in that has a, pol- a police or law enforcement background, it's like wow, you can relate. Uh, yeah. But if not, it can be tough, and and cops tend to turn their back on on if it's mm-hmm. not their own. You know, same with firefighters. They it's now nah, we're we're in our little world. Yeah, I get it. I understand yeah. that. I think honestly, and and we have a, a good friend, a good friend of mine. In fact, I actually had lunch with him today. He's a pastor of a church. Um, he was actually just asked uh, to be a chaplain for one of the local departments. And mm-hmm. he and I were kind of talking about that. And um, he was, he was pretty surprised to be asked, but he gets along very well with a lot of the officers. And so the police chief reached out to him and, and he actually told him, um, I think it was five or six months ago. He said, Hey, I want you to pray about, about this and consider becoming a chaplain because he said, we, we really want to bring somebody back into the department. And I guess the, the department hadn't had a chaplain or counselor for gosh, I don't know, almost a hundred years. And so I'm glad they brought him back. Yeah. The, the chief was like, you know what, we're changing some stuff up and we want to, um, you know, we want an individual that can, can be a part of us and, and is involved in the community and support our officers. And that, uh, that pastor asked me, he's like, you know, you, you've been involved with public safety and law enforcement and stuff. And, um, he said, what would be like the one thing that, 
you know, you would tell me to do like, cause I, I don't mm-hmm. know. He's like, I've never been in public safety. Um, and I said to him, I said, you know what? I said, um, I'll, I'll tell you two things. And he's like, what, you know, what, what two things are yeah. you saying? And I said, um, listen and time. And right. he just kind of looked at me and I said, well, for starters, I said, time is they need to get to know you. They need to trust you. They're not going to just mm-hmm. open up the instant you walk in and That's get sworn yep. in. And I yep. said, for listening, I said, you have to realize that not every, not every conversation that you have is a problem that needs to be solved. Sometimes you right. just need to let them talk and communicate because I said, you're going to be on scenes where the worst thing has happened. And as those officers respond, you know, the best thing that you can do is support them and, you know, and, and listen and, and be that filter and, and, um, you know, certainly the avenue for them to, to clear their minds with, you know, being available to them and that sort of thing. So, um, right. I think he'll, Absolutely. I think he'll do a fantastic job because he's, he's very much like that, but yeah, that's anyway. good. That's good. I'm glad they're doing that. Yeah. But yeah. A lot of, a lot of departments in the area, um, are starting to, starting to go back to doing that because they see and understand that, you know, it's a, it's a great resource for folks. Um, mm-hmm. but anyhow, shifting gears to go back to the, the pre-attack indicators. Let's, let's chat about that for a little bit. So, um, for those of you that are, are listening, um, I'm going to post in the, sh- the show comments in the show notes. Uh, there's a few different things that I found with the FBI, um, as far as statistics and different things that they put together. And if you're interested, you know, you're welcome to, to go on their website and download it. I thought it was, I thought it was pretty fascinating, but um, they actually broke down and analyzed cases between 2000 and 2013 and came up with um, some of the major causes, which um, we've said it, I I know I've said it to churches and law enforcement that, um, you know, the FBI basically said that one of the most major stressors, 62% of the active shooters were basically stressed out with mental health concerns. And I know coming back from COVID that's been, you know, certainly it's probably a higher percentage than that now too. Um, but it's, it's always interesting to me to go back and kind of look at the consistencies between different events. And, um, there's really no, I don't know, specific profile that fits every active shooter in every, you know, every situation, but at the same time, understanding some of the stressors and, and certainly, um, you know, different, different indicators and, and things like that can certainly make us better, better prepared to, you know, to address or even investigate further. It's not always about necessarily, calling someone out for, for their actions or having a, a mental health situation. But sometimes, especially in church settings, sometimes I've found that even just going up to someone and kind of talking to them, if you think maybe their social cues are a little off, sometimes that can make a big difference too. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and we, we don't, you know, like when we talk about pre-attack indicators, uh, uh, we, we don't want anybody on the team 
to be the pre-attack indicator. You know, so like our safety team, I, I've, I've, I've trained a lot of churches and I see people that, you know, the pre-attack indicator is that person right there because they can't talk to people or they right. can't uh, they, they can't stay calm. They're going to they're a loose cannon. So, I mean, that could be the most sometimes I say obvious, but maybe it's unintentional blindness that this pre-attack indicator is right in front of us because somebody comes in upset or with problems and we don't know how to you, we, you and I have a, a mutual friend, John Riley, with general response, and he does an amazing job. Mm -hmm. And uh with de-escalation techniques. And so we have to make sure that that threat in that pre-attack indicator is not right in front of us on our own team. Not that they're going to attack us, but they're going mm -hmm. to, they could fuel somebody that comes in. Uh, For sure. And I think that's probably, that's probably one pre-attack indicator we, we got to start looking at, but yeah, we, humans, humans will send out a lot. Um, I, I found through my research that most active shooters uh, are they feel like they're victims. Not a lot mm -hmm. of them are nutcases. Not a lot of them are violent people. They're people like you and I, and they felt sure. like they've been done wrong. So maybe the church hasn't treated me the way I should. The church hasn't given me money. Mm -hmm. uh, um, West Freeway Baptist Church, they were they were helping him out. This is the the headshot that where the guy was taken out after he killed two Jack ushers. Wilson. Uh, yeah. But yeah, yeah. But they, uh, you know, he, he was in that church and he's asking for food and clothing and they're giving it to him and shelter. And he asked for money and the pastor said no. And that set him off. He didn't like that. Uh, yeah. Pre-attack indicator for that one would have been the way he was dressed. The uh, the disguise. Uh, that's sure. a pre-attack indicator. But, um, you know, there was a kid in British Columbia seven years ago and he wrote a poem the teacher told him to write teacher told the class to write a poem this kid mm -hmm. writes a poem and basically it says sinking into bed homicide thoughts filling my head uh homicide or suicide suicide or homicide i don't know what uh he's talking about into sleep he's thinking and then he says why me i'm thinking uh suicide or homicide homicide or suicide he doesn't know but that why me is at that particular case, and he ended up killing a teacher and a custodian, but that why me is, an, is could be a pre-attack indicator. There's mm -hmm. that feeling of I'm a victim. Why me? And he's talking about suicide or homicide, and he mentions why me. So we have to watch out for people that are that are asking for help or feeling like they're, mm -hmm. they're being attacked. There's people that have done active shooter attacks that have that have gone in and killed their boss or the HR manager because they're being targeted because they're not doing their job. And some active shooters, there's been two that I know of that uh, walked in, killed the boss and went right back to work at the assembly line because hmm. they, they don't know the difference between reality and fantasy. You can't do that. We know sure. that, but you can't do that. But uh, the, the pre-attack indicator there was, was clear that, you know, you're picking on me and I, I'm mad because Maybe I've come to this church. We'll talk about churches, but maybe I've come to this church for so many years and I'm getting a divorce and my wife and kids are staying here and I've mm -hmm. been kicked out because of a project protective order or injunction or something sure. like that. And, uh, and, and, you know, we have to think about if, if in that situation, a man or a woman, whoever be the spouse sends a message, a text message says, I'll get you no matter where you're at. The church is no matter mm -hmm. where she's at. So, um, when we talk about people, there's a lot of indicators that people will give out. Uh, mm -hmm. it can be hands in the pocket. 
It can be um, clenching of the fist or jaw. You can sometimes see somebody's jaw grinding in their uh, in their in their uh, underneath their skin on their jaw if they're mm -hmm. upset and they're they're just grinding their teeth. They're mad. That could be an indicator. Um, we can have body language. You might be talking to somebody that's a little bit upset in the church and you've got their arms crossed like this and then they put their arms on their hips. So they've changed body language or maybe they've got their arms on their hips and they stand like this or they take a defensive stance. Um, you might see pacing or, or fidgeting, really nervous because they're getting ready to do something. Um, you could see uh, eye contact. You've got mm -hmm. eye contact and then you lose it. Or you're talking to them and trying to de-escalate and they're looking down here and all of a sudden they look at you and give you that look. That's eye contact. Um, we may have the rooster stance. So Daytona had a lot of bars. And sure. as a cop, we, re we respond to bar fights and it's drink one beer. You got liquid courage. You're going to fight the yep. police. You're going to fight the bouncers, everybody. And we get there and, and I call it the rooster stance. Everybody's got their chest, you know, pumped out. Look mm -hmm. how tough I am. So that could be a pre-attack pre indicator as well is, is I'm, I'm trying to make look big because I'm getting ready to attack you. Mm -hmm. um, you might have disruptive behavior, challenging behavior, hands in the pocket. I, I like to tell church safety teams, watch those hands. It's sure. it's a little bit harder for me to attack you if I'm talking with my hands or my hands right here. But when I put my hands in my hoodie or when I put my hands in my pocket, can't see the hands. That could be accessing something. That leads to uh, target glancing or indexing. If mm -hmm. I'm walking up to someone, I'm having a problem with them and I'm indexing, I put my, my hand in my pocket because I have a gun or a knife and then I bring my hand out. I put my hand back in my pocket. When I was in the drug unit, we could sit on the corner and we'd watch five or six guys on the corner selling crack and we'd be able to figure out who has the money and who has the gun and who has the crack because sure. they're touching it. They're constantly <laughs> touching it, constantly touching it. So we'd say those, those three are our targets right there because the same guy yeah. usually doesn't carry the gun, the crack and the money in case they're arrested. They don't want to lose everything, but sure. you can tell because they, they'd be uh, touching it. Um, we had to watch for indexing too. If I'm mm -hmm. in the pastor's office and we're being counseled and things aren't going good, or he's telling me he or she, he's telling me something that I don't like. I may look at his scissors on his desk and look back at him and look at his scissors on his desk. That's called indexing, target glancing. There's a, there's a chance that maybe I'm thinking about grabbing those scissors and, and attacking him with them or a stapler, but people will look at it first. It's like the bad guys uh, before they run from the police, they're going to look this way. They got a warrant out for them or they got <laughs> drugs in their pants or in their shoes and they're going to look this way. What they're doing is they're setting themselves up. Okay. If I run that way, I got to run over a car and then there's a chain link fence that I got to jump. They need mm -hmm. to know that. So those are those are along the lines of of uh, of Supreme Tank years. heart rate. If you're talking to somebody and they're getting ready to make a move on them, a lot of times in the carotid artery, you can see that. Sure. Bam, bam, bam. You know that from from being in the fire department. You can yeah. see it in their I've seen it in their chest before. You can see their shirt rising, the rapid sure. heart rate. Something may be getting ready to happen. You might have pacing or fidgeting. Um, well, I think we talked about that. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to keep my yeah. notes so I stay on track. Um, no, fighting I, the pacing, uh, the pacing in the the from the heart um, heart palpitations and yeah. and pacing, sweating, um, lockjaw. Yep. I mean, we've had we've had folks come in. Uh, in fact, a few years ago, we had an individual come into our church that was doing that. Mm -hmm. Like he went in sweating profusely. He had this huge long overcoat on. Um, 
he goes in, he sits down in the back of the, the sanctuary and then gets up, walks out of the building and starts angrily pacing back mm. and forth outside the building on a cell phone. And, you know, the conversation got to the point where people could hear him inside the church yelling on the, on the cell right. phone. And, uh, it, you know, it turned out he ended up leaving. Um, we asked him kind of, kind of coached him through and got him to leave early. But, um, what was interesting was it turned out that, um, we did a little bit of a background check on him and he was very well known with local law enforcement, um, wow. for, for creating issues and, and actually going to churches and, uh, causing a disturbance. So we kind of ended up being able to head it off before it actually happened at our church by talking right. to him. Um, right. But really just kind of pulling him aside, um, myself and actually one of the other team members um, who was a deacon actually pull, kind of pulled him aside and said, hey, let's let's talk about this. Are you OK? Because you, you seem really, you know, irritated and frustrated. Is there something we can talk to you about? So even just seeing, you know, seeing those those pre-attack indicators before and putting together, I always tell people it's kind of like putting together a puzzle like when you get certain pieces right. at some point in time, you see the big picture. And right. so, you know, it's like, okay, so before you get to that point of seeing the big picture, you know, let's isolate, you know, the person or bring them, you know, right. away from everybody else so that right. we can address it. Right. Right. For sure. And, and, and you may get that, you may get somebody that, that sits in the sanctuary, walks out and comes back in. That could be a pre-tech yeah. indicator or using the phone there. They may be, they, maybe they came into the church to check things out. Hey, I don't see a lot of security in here. So I'm going to make a phone call. You know, there's, there's mm -hmm. a lot of when, when uh, Roe versus Wade was overturned, there was mm -hmm. a lot of young ladies that were going in in overcoats, trench coat, long coats, and they would sure. sit in church and then all of a sudden pop up uh, improperly dressed but sure. all around the church, there are people filming them. They're together and they're filming them. They want that church safety or security person to come up and grab them. And now they're on, mm -hmm. they're on, they're, uh, you know, they're going viral with that video. Um, sure. Should be call, could be calling friends, returning. You may be talking to somebody and they've got a backpack and they mm -hmm. set it down. That could be a simple pre-attack indicator that I've just set my backpack, backpack down because we're getting ready to go fist on fist. So yeah. uh, just... It, indicators we have to we have to watch for um threats can come from a lot of different ways threats can come direct threats social media verbal they can come somebody could write something on the bathroom wall they could come through a text message they could be implied oh yeah boom or something you know um so there, a lot of it is i always say and I, and I know you guys have said it we hear it all the time if your gut tells you god gave us the ability to profile people he did sure. and we're not talking about skin color or where they come from in the world but right we as humans we can look at somebody and say that's not right there's something off with that and yeah. and we have to go with our gut feeling on that that's our best defense for pre-attack indicator is look at somebody and say that's not right. And let's, let's investigate it. Don't turn your back on it. We don't want to keep, we don't want to keep putting ourselves into anomalies, which is, well, that's, that's pre-attack indicator, but it's not, it's nothing. It's nothing. Um, yeah. I, I want to go back real quick. You mentioned um, when you, when you were going through a few of your, your things, one of the first things you mentioned was social media. And I kind of mm -hmm. wanted to circle back to that because 
it seems like a lot of churches that that I've had the opportunity to talk to really don't put a lot of value in social media. Like they haven't gotten to that point yet of saying, okay, if if I go on my Facebook account or Instagram or Twitter or or whatever account I'm using and post what's on my mind, that that might connect somehow back to my actions at the church. And mm-hmm. so we've, we've had a lot of situations where um, something didn't seem right in person. And mm-hmm. then we went online while that was going on. We went online to the person's Facebook account and saw some postings that made what, what we passed off as this isn't really important. It's not a big deal. All of right. a sudden, when you connect it with that social media post, it's like, whoa, wait a second here. Right. You know, right. that adds a little bit more depth to now it's a pre-attack indicator. Now exactly. it's a threat. Right. Exactly. I, I you know, I think just about every a large, a vast majority of active shooters have they can't help but put something out, whether it's a manifesto, sure. it's a text message, it's social media. Um, I don't think, and I've researched this one a lot. I actually went out to Vegas. I don't think the Vegas shooter at the concert uh, in October. I don't think he put anything out on social media. I don't think he told anybody. That was a complete surprise. But yeah, sure. social media is very important to to monitor. If somebody's going through a nasty divorce and they're going through your church and it's, it's really bad, or that somebody from the nursery has turned in one of the parents for neglect on the child that comes in, and, it, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of different types of neglect. It, it could be um, there it's wintertime, it's snowing and the kids coming in with no coat on or the kids hungry or sexual mm-hmm. abuse, physical abuse. And it could be that we've, we've called department of, um, child protective services. And now the church is targeted because we did the right thing. So we need to monitor social media and look at that and say, you know, let's, let's just kind of look at this guy and see if he's going to post something on social media that could attack the church. Another thing that I, that I wanted to mention about while we're on social media is, don't live stream the service delay it 10 or 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. Sutherland Springs Baptist church. Uh, he, he was very proud that he did that attack. They killed those 26 people while they were live streaming it. Um, yeah. governor Abbott in Texas has a hold and I hope the hold is still valid has a hold on that where law enforcement can't release it because we don't want that making it to YouTube, uh, sure. or social media. But if we can delay the, the feed mm-hmm. by 15 minutes, now it's not appealing for them to come in. Or if we delay yeah. it, let's do the service. Then an hour later, let's put the service up there. But these these um, yeah. these, these that, violent attackers, they want that shock value. Boom. That was one of the things that um, actually right after Sutherland Springs happened, mm-hmm. I went I actually went to the video. Um, creative director at my church. And I said, Hey, do you have a few minutes? Can we sit down and talk about this? And he's like, yeah, what's up? And I said, you know, what would happen if we had someone come in? Like, is there a delay on our feed? Because we do that. Like we stream at the time we streamed it live and he's like, yeah, let me show you. So they actually incorporated like a 10 minute, uh, a, a 10 minute delay. But, and I said, you know, I'm like, that's fine. That's great. I appreciate you doing that but is there a way that we can be prepared to go to another screen? Like say, you know, say someone comes in and disrupts stuff because they want the attention because they know That's we're, right. we're doing live things. Can That's we right. switch to another screen and take a break? 
And he's like, yeah, absolutely. You know, so it was, it was encouraging to me that they had thought through all of those aspects and we agreed on it and we were like, this is perfect. But yeah, yeah that's something too, um, you know, for, for the safety folks out there, the leaders, you know, check in with your AV person and um, be aware of how, how that happens because a lot of churches now will stream live and yeah. on the on the spot and, and if and they, even if it's not a violent attack they may stand up and say abortion my body my choice or whatever you know sure. we don't we don't want we don't want to give them that power of boom we just we yeah. just had 5000 people or or, or 25 people see that yeah sure. but but yeah we want to we definitely want to delay that that feed and it can be done there's software that'll do it or or yeah. when church is over it, church gets over at noon start your feed at noon you know, yeah. there's, there, think outside the box. I'm glad you guys did that. That's it. It's good. Yeah. And I, a lot of times, again, that's one of those things that it's kind of funny. It's like social media. Like a lot of times churches will just kind of look at us like, well, wh you know, why, why is that necessary? Well, you know, there was a, there was a church in uh, St. Louis, Missouri. In fact, the gentleman, the pastor actually came to our last conference, um, and spoke about the situation, but he was actually, he was preaching and a gang came in and they actually had a gun fall out of their pocket. And mm. so the safety team responded and what they did was they actually shut some of the, the cameras down and some of them, they actually put on the gang so that as they deescalated the situation, they could actually see and have a record of, you know, of the people. Um, right. And, you know, from that standpoint, I was like, and then actually they turned that, that footage over to local law enforcement who then, I think one of the detectives on the case actually connected it back to a string of local robberies and they were able to prove that it was that, you know, that guy that came in. Um, They're not the brightest ones. No, but <laughs> I mean, I was, I was blown away. I was like, that's awesome that you guys actually yeah. did that and <clears throat> you were prepared because Oftentimes, yeah. you know, even if we miss the pre-attack indicators, if we don't have a, a method of being prepared, anything can sideswipe us with, you know, with the shock and awe piece of you're just not like if I wasn't prepared for someone coming in and disrupting the service, I wouldn't necessarily be looking for, you know, someone to come right. in and, you know, a trench coat or <clears throat> something like that, because you know, we had the same concerns after, after Roe, Roe versus Wade was turned over. And I know quite a few churches that listened to, you know, to our broadcast did as well. So yeah, it's kind of, while we're talking about cameras, um, every, every, uh, church safety or security guy or girl should have it Wi-Fi to their phone, every camera, um, being on the SWAT team, it would be amazing if when we get on scene and there's something horrible happening inside a building, somebody comes up to me and says, here's my phone and here's all the camera feeds. You can see sure. exactly where that bad guy is. Um, that's a huge help. And that's just Wi-Fi. That's really easy if you have a camera system set up. Um, <clears throat> a lot of times that's just giving, giving them the app and the, the ability to look at that. But having the ability to give your phone to law enforcement and have law enforcement look, where is this guy or girl right now? Yeah. Um, That's one of and the then things. Other pre -attack. 
Oh, I was just going to say, that's, that's one of the things like we, in the past, like we've encouraged law enforcement to come into our church beforehand, Mm -hmm. um, and actually conduct officer training in the building so that they understand the layout. And so, you know, the higher officers, Mm -hmm. if they ever had to roll on something like that, they could easily know, okay, when you're talking about the fellowship hall or the sanctuary, this is what this is the area. This is the space. We know where this is. Right. And oftentimes acclimate like uh, precinct officers to the layout of the building. And just, right. you know, we, we were open all the time where we would tell officers, Hey, come by for a cup of coffee and we'll, you know, just walk around the building, take a break. That's There's great. Restrooms, that's you great. Know? Yeah. <laughs> that that's sort great. of thing. Cops- Cops love free food and free coffee, so they'll, they'll come <laughs> out for any of that stuff. I always did. Um, and then we got to number the doors. You know, when we talk about a yeah. quick response, number the doors. Put the number on the inside, on the bottom, in case there's a fire. When we're crawling, we know what door. But yeah. it, from a SWAT response or a tactical response, it's great to know. Because I don't know, if I go to a church, the church I was at in, in uh, Baltimore today, I don't know north, south, east, or west. But sure. I look at the door and I know that's number 27 door. And if I right. have to tell the police on the phone, he's come in, come in door number 27, man, that speeds it up. That That's so yeah. much faster. We, that's actually something that, that we did. Um, we had that rec- years ago, we had that recommendation. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, this is going to take a lot of work. I'm not sure if I want to yeah. do it. And right. so I pushed through um, and I had to jump through a ton of, politics and hoops to get uh, i you know, know i hear it with all churches. of that yeah and uh it was so funny because the first time that i needed to use them um i had to call actually call an ambulance for a friend of mine's daughter who passed out and mm-hmm. immediately i said we actually lettered lettered all the doors well in counting the doors on the outside of our building we had 25 doors and yeah. they don't know, you know, just, just made like it. you said, yeah, <laughs> just under 26 right. <laughs> alphabet, but they, yeah. they didn't like, they don't know what, you know, East, same thing. Like I, I would say, well, come to the main they, door. Well, there's three sets of doors that look like they could be a main door. So when I right. called, I told the dispatcher, I said, could you please tell them to come to door K? And, um, so the dispatcher was like, okay, thank you. We really, really appreciate that. Well, a battalion chief uh, who was actually a friend of mine, um, I looked up out in front of the building and he was at the intersection in front of the building. And as soon as I hung up with the dispatcher, I see his lights come on and he pulls into our parking lot and uh, I could see him actually reading his computer. And then he drove around the side of the building to where I was and pulled up and walked in and so after, you know, after they, they treated the individual and transported her, I asked him, I said, so when I saw you pull in, what were you checking? And he's like, well, I saw the address come up and I knew right away it was that it was in front of me. But he said, when I went up through the notes, he said, I saw that the dispatcher put door K and nice. he's like that, that just made, you know, a night and day difference for us. And yeah. It's, that was kind of, it, <laughs> for me, I was yeah. like, yes, score, Thank you know? Goodness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it definitely speeds up the response. And and we want, you know, if if it's a medical emergency or or a violent attack, we want that um, to come up. Uh, one more thing I want to mention about pre-attack indicators is if you sure. have people protesting outside the church, 
Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times you can look at a group that's protesting. Antifa has different colors. They've got color codes that they'll wear um, indicating what they do. Uh, sure. Usually the usually the leader, though, but you'll you'll be able to watch uh, the people that are protesting. You'll be able to look at them and figure out who the leader is. Watch mm-hmm. that person. Have somebody that's on your team with a radio that's watching that person because they're going to call the shots. Hey, let's move sure. over to this side of the church or let's breach the church. Get some bricks. Let's do this. Mm-hmm. But every group has a has an alpha uh, and every group has a leader. So in in the case of a of a protest, pick out that leader because that's going to be the one calling your shots. And you can kind of get an idea of where that may be going if uh, if you if you can pick out that leader or leaders. We had a, we had a sit real quick to that point and then we're, we're kind of out of time, but um, we had a, a, a group of outreach folks that were going downtown Columbus um, when Antifa was running around quite a bit and protesting and they were going to hand out uh, bottles of water to the folks that were protesting just to try and, mm-hmm. you know, minister to them and that sort of thing. Right. And so we, one of my, one of my pastors was like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to go downtown. And I said, okay, if you're going downtown with all of this nonsense going on, I'm going to go with you. Like, I'm not going to let you go by yourself. So I went down there and we were, you know, we were handing out water bottles to the, the state troopers and officers and, and folks down there. And, um, no one, I'll tell you, no one from Antifa came up to me. And I was like, I had set up like this little podium where I was giving water out and it, you know, right. hot, boiling, blazing hot day. Yeah. And no one would from Antifa would come up and take a bottle of water to me. And I'm sitting there and I'm listening to this guy, this, this one guy, just like you said, the alpha, he grabs this microphone and he's talking and all of a sudden he starts coughing. And he looks over to me and I've got two bottles of water in my hand and I held one up to him and he like kind of does a double take. He walks over, right, right. grabs the bottle, drinks it, drinks, you know, downs the whole thing. And he's like, Hey, thanks, man. I appreciate it. Turns around, walks away. And then every single other person came over. It was like, he had yeah, to be yeah. the one. <laughs> the leader. But, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But you made a connection and that's, and that's sure. what we do. That's what your job was there to do is, is yeah. don't, you know, I mean, that's great. That's a, that's a, that's a great story. You made it that you made the connection <laughs> and in the back of his mind, he knows that you guys aren't on the same team, but you're willing to help him. You gave him some sure. water and that's, that's really what the, what the, uh, church safety team or, or security team, whatever you want to call it, the ministry is all about. You get out yeah. there and you help regardless. Yeah. And I, I think sometimes, and that's, that's an awesome point because I think sometimes we, we can lose focus of that and we can just be right. like, well, we're guarding, we're securing, we're doing this, we're doing that. But the truth is, I mean, we, we do want to minister to the people that come in. And unfortunately, some of those folks may be, you know, displaced in their thinking that, you know, they want to be disruptive or do harm or whatever. But I right. do, I do think that oftentimes, especially if it's someone that's familiar with the church, um, you know, we, I've seen situations where <clears throat> someone walked in and I knew that they were in the middle of a, like a divorce or a really mm-hmm. bad disruptive situation at home. And they walked in like they were 
just so mad and, and, you know, folk laser focused and it was just odd and just taking the time to pull them aside and say, Hey, can I, can I pray with you? You look like you're a little bit, you know, you know, off the, (laughs) I don't want to be rude, but it's like, you you know, you look like your, your mind isn't where it should be. What, you know, and you're, you're kind of storming around. You're obviously frustrated and upset about something. You know, can I take a few seconds and pray with you? Is there something I could, I can listen, you can talk to me about. And, and a lot of that, you're right. I mean, it's a lot of it goes back to kind of de-escalation from, you know, that point of, of just being aware, but, um, and just doing that to somebody, you, there's yeah. no telling, you'll never know what you stopped that person from doing possibly in the future. Just, yeah, just that one positive contact, you know, we'll, we'll never know. It, a lot of times if we're nice to people, we'll never know for the rest of our lives. What did I stop that person from possibly doing just because I was nice and I yeah. showed him that our church is welcoming. It's, for there's sure. no, there's no telling what we, what you could have saved that day from him, maybe planning something. Yeah, for sure. Just be nice, be nice and smile. <laughs> <laughs> That's the, the now what I was know. in the water? What did you guys spike the water or something oh. to buy Zane or anything? <laughs> to the no. Antifa guys? No. We'll talk no. off air. You can tell me. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. No, we didn't do anything like that. And, you know, even even law enforcement, like, you know, some of the state troopers, because we were actually at the Capitol building and yeah. uh, I know actually know one of the officers who's who's a sergeant uh, with the troopers at the or with the highway patrol at the at the Capitol building. And, um, you know, when we left, even the officers like they knew when we first walked up, it was the same thing. Like the officers were like, no, whether that's sealed or not, I don't want to take that water. Exactly. You know, I'm always and careful then, with that. Yeah. yeah. And then by the time we went to leave, they were joking around with us and they knew, oh, hey, you're from this church. OK. Right. Yeah. Right. You know, so again, it was it was building the relationship with everybody yeah. there. Like we weren't. I mean, I didn't necessarily agree with the protesting, but it's the, you know, it was their right to protest. And that's what I told the officers. I said, you know, they're not doing anything damaging. They're not, you know, they're not destroying anything. They have a permit to protest. So we're just here trying to, to be supportive and of everybody and help everybody. We just have water to hand out, you know, Yeah, we're just, we're just neutral. We're here handing. That's, that's why we live in America. You know, we live in the United States is we can peacefully protest. Yeah. And it's good you guys were there doing it, do, being neutral and just keeping yeah. people safe, keep them hydrated. Yeah, for sure. Well, we are officially out of time, but again, yeah. thank you so much for for hanging out with me tonight and and talking about this. It's it's been great. Really appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Good talk to you. All right. All right. So wrapping up real quick, thanks for hanging out with us and uh, you'll be able to access this recording on our podcast platforms um, probably tomorrow. And uh, if you uh, watch it on YouTube or watch it on the podcast platform, make sure to, to click like and subscribe. That always helps us with the algorithms. And it also notifies you when we have new content, which is usually about every week. So as always, Um, we're here to help you with your, your church and your ministry and, uh, anything we can do to help you. We're happy to do that. Our website is churchsafetyguys.com and you can reach out to us through that or, uh, through the church security app, which is downloadable on the, uh, the iOS or Google store platforms. 
Um, and again, we, we appreciate you supporting our ministry to help places of worship and churches. Uh, if there's a topic in the future that you would like us to chat about or uh, maybe bring a guest on to talk about that would benefit you, please reach out to us and let us know uh, because we're happy to do that. So until next time, take care. God bless. Have a great week and we'll we'll see you next week. Thank you for joining the Church Safety Guys broadcast. Brought to you by Vigilant Impact. We hope that you found it informative and we appreciate your feedback and interaction. Be sure to share our broadcast with your teams, join the discussion online, and connect with us on social media or at our website at churchsafetyguys.com. For other great ministry resources, download the Church Security app. Remember, keep a servant's heart, a mindset of ministry, and semper disciplina. Always be training. Have a blessed week.